Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, October 16th, 2017. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 11, and we're at page 158, Paragraph 3. Today's readers are on the 12 Steps, Nancy H., 12 Traditions, Esther F., and reading the text are Irini, Craig F., and Katie G. The reference number for Sunday, October 15th is 10549. That's 10,549. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We, may, we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery, of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy H. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H., a recovering compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to... In- except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for giving me the privilege to read. I pass. Thank you, Nancy. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recover compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. 
Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Let's problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may uh, create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 158, paragraph three. I will now ask Irene M. to begin reading. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irene M. from New York, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. That afternoon, he put on his clothes and walked from the hospital, a free man. He handed a political campaign, making speeches, frequenting men's gathering places of all sorts, often staying up all night. He lost the race by only a narrow margin. But he had found God. And in finding God, he had found himself. That was in June 1935. He never drank again. He, too, has become a respected and useful member of his community. He has helped other men recover and is a power in the church from which he was long absent. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Well, he walked a free man, and being free comes with a price, a beautiful price that is priceless. He now belonged to God. 
because he found God and then he found himself. Once we let go of our little gods, we find the one and only God. See, God was never lost to be found. He he seeked to find the God in his life that was always there. It was he that was lost, and once he got connected, which is the key word I really believe in this whole book, is this word connection, because everything then comes into place. It's not about abstinence. You know, that's a destination. It's not about um, recovery, 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 because that's a destination. It's, It's about connection. In this connection, there's no destination. There is only growth. There is only going deeper. There is only getting closer into the light, closer to God. Once we get connected, everything starts to piece together because we are focusing on God that is what? Eternal. There's no destination there. This connection gives us everything that we need, not what we want, but what we need. So if we're connected, we will be abstinent. If we're focused on this connection, we will recover. It is this connection from being disconnected which is the key to the main source that will save us. Keeping our focus on God by being connected and building that connection from a thread to a string to a thick rope from that you can really hold on to for dear life no matter what happens, even losing a race by a narrow margin here, as is told. Thank you, God, that um, that would hold us up. So he met God halfway. He did his part to cooperate, to be obedient with God. He was restored to sanity. From bondage of self, that monster within was released and set free to live the life God wanted all of us to live. His hopelessness turned toward the light and turned into hope. It is that light that has the power to melt our lies, our addictions, our temptations, even our character defects. So when we can be so we can be useful to God and to others, so we can help others who are still suffering in the rooms, so we can be a powerhouse for our family, ourselves, our community and for the world, and at the same time to be happy, joyous and free. Thank you. I pass. Okay, thank you so much, Irini M. And so if you've just joined us, we're on page 158, paragraph 3 and 4. Uh, that afternoon through um, he was long absent. Who would like to share on those two paragraphs? Harlan, Jerry. Larry K. Okay, I got Harlan, Larry, Kim G. Kim G. And there's someone muffled. I can't understand you. Bob B, Bob B, I think. Okay, I'm sorry. There's someone else. You're very muffled, a woman. Nicole P. Oh, Nicole P. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, let's go with those five um, people. Harlan G, Larry K, Kim G, Bob B, Nicole P. Go ahead, Harlan. Thank you, Katie. Thank you to Team Monday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
July 4th, 1935, Bill Dobson. I'm sorry? Can you hear me okay? Am I okay? Okay. Bill You're Dobson good, Harlan. Someone's on mute. Oh, Go ahead. Okay, okay. Bill Dobson is leaving the hospital, and he is never to drink again. He is to pass away in 1954, never to have ever drank another drop of liquor again throughout his life. Bill Dobson and his story are integral to our story because his sobriety is nothing short of a miracle. It showed them that this could work. He is going to run for city council. Remember that he's an attorney and he's running for council in the city of Akron. But he had his priorities straight, unlike me. I wanted to make a deal with God. God, give me money. Make me thin. Get me the girl. Get me the house. Get me the car. Get me this. Get me that. And when you bring me what I want, God, I'll do what you want me to do. Uh Uh-uh. Bill Dotson was smarter than I am. He put on his clothes and walked from the hospital a free man. He entered a political campaign making speeches, frequenting men's gatherings, places of all sorts, often staying up all night. Now, when he was running, his alcoholism, his drinking, his drunken escapades were a big issue in the campaign because his opponent made them an issue, and he was embarrassed to think back of what he did. He was ashamed of himself, but did not turn to alcohol to kill the pain of drinking. I have eaten railroad cars full of chocolate turtles to kill the pain of eating railroad cars full of chocolate turtles, to kill the shame, I have eaten more food. Now, that's insane. And Bill Dotson didn't do that. Bill Dotson stayed sober because he knew that the political race was important, but his sobriety was integral to his survival. He had his head on straight, and that came from his higher power. He was not acting insanely. He was acting sanely. Step two, God had restored him to sanity. And with that, I will pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Kim G. Hey, Katie. Thanks so much for your service this morning. Um, This is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm from Chicago. You know, I I like the word freedom. Um, I never had freedom. You know, I was imprisoned by by this disease. Um, This disease kept me locked up. Although, seemingly, I was walking a free man, but I was in a self-imposed prison. You know, the shorthand for me, this is how I found God and how I was given true freedom. Steps one, two, and three got me right with God. Steps four through seven got me right with myself. Steps eight and nine got me right with others. And steps 10, 11, and 12 keep me right with God, with myself, and with others. It was the program of action. You know, the fellowship is beautiful. The fellowship, you know, Bill Wilson, when they talked to to Dodson and Dr. Bob, That didn't give him his freedom. It wasn't a good talking to that gave him his freedom. 
what gave him his freedom was he he made a decision to take some action and it was those very actions unbeknownst to him that this was going to happen it was those very actions that would give him that would allow him to become a free man and it was the same decisions and the same willingness and the same actions in the 1930s that it is in October of 2017 today it's the actions it's it's making a decision to take the actions and then we are we become untethered from the disease of self until we take those actions we do not have our freedom now we may have you may have temporary sobriety you may have a a stark raving sobriety but in your heart of hearts, you know that that isn't the freedom. The freedom that this guy got, the same freedom that's available to you today, is by working the steps, being brought into alignment with the higher power of your own, under, your own understanding, and then you can become untethered from this disease. You get out of prison. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Kim G., you're up, followed by Bob B. Excuse me. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Oh, my goodness. So grateful. Um, Walk from the hospital a free man. You know, I'm thinking about my own experience in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. You know, I came into OA in 1994, and I have to tell you, I disrespected OA and used it as a diet program with group support. And for 17 years, what I did is I put the food down and I faced the food, and I fought the food with meetings, with phone calls, with all the tools. And then over six and a half years ago, what I did is I put the food down, and I faced the solution of the 12 steps and ran at that with all my might, using the tools to support the step work. So what are the consequences of those two approaches I took to OA? So the consequences of the first 17 years was just a series of temporary respites. It was white-knuckled, going to bed exhausted, having beat the food for one more day. It was being a slave to the food, whether I was a slave while I was eating or I was a slave to abstinence. And the consequences in the last six and a half years of working these steps and having a spiritual awakening of the result of the steps is I have been abstinent contently. I have been happy, I have been joyous, and I have been free. You know, I think of page 101, and what they're talking about on 101 is the fact that assuming we are spiritually fit, meaning that we've had this spiritual awakening, we can go to all these places that I never could have thought of going. You know, movie theaters and holidays and participate in Halloween. And it warns us here. It says we meet these conditions every day, and alcoholics who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. So what I want to do is I want to ask myself on a daily basis, How free do I want to be? I beg of you, don't settle to isolate yourself in your recovery as much as you isolated yourself in your disease. If you cannot go to these places, just understand you don't have to settle for that. There is a way out. There is a way to walk free among the upcoming holidays, because I don't know about you guys, but the kickoff of the holiday season is coming up with Halloween. So I have to tell you, once again, I went to a 12-step program for many years, and what I did is I practiced an eight- or nine-tool program and occasionally did some step work, which I thought was optional. 
The difference for me is I now attend a 12-step program where the 12 steps are the core of my life and I use those tools to support my step work. And once again, that shift in the way that I went to OA, the consequences is today I am a recovered woman who lives happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Okay, Bob B., you're up, followed by Nicole P. This is Bob B. I'm a recovered but not cured compulsive overeater from Westchester, Pennsylvania. And this story clearly reminds me of a spiritual awakening. Um, and it reminds me of <clears throat> also a um, from the Voices of Recovery, August the 27th has something that really hit me in my program. And that basically summed up is that I didn't realize that God grieved over every extra bite that I took and that I was rejecting God by being in my uh, my disease. Um, for me and my relationship with my higher power, um, I need to make the connection with my higher power that was inside me, my spirit inside me, and I always thought that God was outside of me. Getting in touch with that spirit for me was writing letters to God and have God writing letters back to me. But there's a vision that really helps me too in, in that connection, and the vision is that there's a door. And on one side of that door is my higher power always seeking me and it always has been there for me. And I'm on the other side of that door but there's only one handle on the door, and that's on my side. And for me, opening that door was becoming abstinent because I don't have a relationship with my higher power without that abstinence. So it's up to me to make the choice to open that door, and by being abstinent, I make the connection with my higher power, and I see all the blessings in my life. And I also am uh, able to deal with the with the difficulties in my life because my higher power says to me, celebrate adversity in your life, Bob, because it will bring you closer to me. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Bob. Okay, Nicole P., you're up. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Nicole P. from Georgia, a very grateful recovered compulsive reader. That afternoon, he put on his clothes and walked from the hospital a free man. Reading this, I was, it's funny, I just had this conversation with someone in program yesterday about I did an outreach call to someone who's back, and she's on this line, and girl, just know you're not alone. Um, free woman. To me, I always thought that the only way that I could feel free was to put on this mask that I've been wearing to put on makeup, to pretend that, okay, Nicole, go out there and show them that you can conquer the world, you're fine, everything's good, and, you know, maybe people believe that. And it's amazing how I thought I was fooling other people when really I wasn't. And looking at this reminds me of when I had my spiritual awakening and when I was going through the process, I call it the spiritual process, my spiritual transformation I walked out a free woman because, just like it says here, in finding God, had found himself. I, for many years, tried to find myself in ways through sex, through power, through academics, 
And it wasn't until I formed a relationship with God that I found out who I am and the kind of person I want to be. I, I always feel like before program, I knew of God, but did I have a personal relationship with him? Not so much. I didn't know or love myself enough, so how could I know and love God? Because he is love, and if I don't know what true love is, how can I learn that? How can I know that? How can I feel that? Um, Seeing others recover brings me such joy in sponsoring. And just as someone else mentioned, you know, I, I was a slave. I'll never forget someone said, you're a slave to whatever controls you. And, yeah, food controlled me, and numbers on a scale controlled me. For the first six months of the program, yeah, I'm young. I used it as a diet. I'm like, oh, this is a free diet program. Woohoo! I'm going to get down to my so-called perfect size, and I'm going to have this perfect feeling and perfect life. And then God told me, yeah, that won't be happening. That's cute that you think that way, and I'll love you through it. But just know that when reality sets in, and it will, I'll still be here for you. And so I, when I stopped being a slave to numbers on a scale and a diet and I started doing the work, the spiritual work, that's when everything started happening. And this freedom that I feel today comes from knowing that just a few paragraphs up, when he was saying, sure didn't do much for me, you know, when he was talking about God, he ought to be, doing, he, he ought to be able to do anything. And that was me, like, oh, why me? Why this? God, you weren't here for me. And that's the problem, the key word, alone. I can't do this alone. I don't want to do this alone. I'm grateful for this fellowship. I'm grateful for my higher power. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Nicole. Okay, who else would like? Lisa B. Okay. (laughs) Lisa B. Who else would like to share? Reva P. Reba P. Leslie Janice W. B. Leslie W. And who was the other one after that? Janice B. Janice B. Monica T. Monica T. Thank you all for just saying your name once. You're being so kind to me this morning. Okay, let's go with that lineup. Lisa B, Leah S, Reva P, Leslie W, Janice B, and Monica T. Thank you. Go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. This is Lisa B, a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm so grateful for this intensive study of this book. And the word that jumped out for me, it's just one little small word, useful, in the paragraph. He never drank again. He, too has become a respected and useful member of his community. And that just brought me on this whole big um, exploration of useful. I never felt useful. When I look at the opposite meaning of, of useful, it's dysfunctional. Oh, boy, did I ever feel dysfunctional. Not helpful, ineffectual, awkward, fruitless. It's amazing, you know, when I look at these words and then I look at the opposite. That actually totally described me, especially fruitless, awkward, dysfunctional, not helpful. I only knew how to be a taker. You know, nothing would ever be enough for me. I just was a taker. I was in a constant state of fear. And what I found in going through this book and continuing to go through this book each day with um, newcomers and studying it with you 
the spiritual remedy in this book is amazing. And, you know, and there is a solution. It says that this is a useful program for anyone concerned with a drinking problem. But I've since found as a recovered person, it's a useful solution for any problem. You know, and the other thing I noticed with this word useful, like I said, it got me on this whole big rant, is the word happy is often used with the word useful. Like we just finished a few days ago on page 153. It may seem incredible that we are to become happy, respected, and useful. Those are words that just seem so outside of my realm. I had no clue on how to be any of that, you know. And um, then it talks about, oh, another thing I really love that I needed is it says um, a real tolerance of others' shortcomings and viewpoints, respect for their opinions. When I take this attitude, I am being truly useful. See, all of this is so foreign to me. That's why I call this like a manual of life for me. I had no clue how to live. And it's amazing that I'm not even talking about the food, you know. Food was like my, um, food was my solution. It was my go-to. Once I started seeing that food wasn't the problem, that the food is all of this other stuff inside of me, this dysfunctional view I've taken, this dysfunctional way of relating to life, you know. And then the whole thing of God, you know, God isn't in any of that yet. God came to me through doing the steps. It's a spiritual remedy, these 12 steps. And it worked for me in, in my unique way. Of, of I did the steps precisely the way it's described in this book. But the realization that I got of my higher power is going to be different than other people's. It's different from my sponsors. It's different than sponsees. It's different than all of yours. You know, but the most important thing is that that relationship, I got that connection inside of me by doing this precise uh, spiritual remedy. And now I have that. And it's a whole new world. It's truly a new way of walking on this earth. Like he talks about, he put on his clothes and walked from the hospital and a free man. Well, for me, it was a little bit uh, slower in realizing that. But every day I do realize that my walking on this earth is a whole different way of walking and relating to others. I can truly be useful. Sometimes it's it's difficult, like letting other people have their viewpoint. You know, that's not always easy for me. But the steps are a guide, and um, all of you help me. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Leah S., you're up, followed by Reva P. Thank you so much. This is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. And I'm so grateful that um, I'm able to share today. Um, so he had begun to have an, a spiritual experience. Um, I had begun to have a spiritual experience when I had to surrender the very first time that the food that I wanted to eat and that I didn't believe that I could not control is when I started to become abstinent, when I really, really realized that this is my food and this is what I'm going to have. And then by doing service, when, when the going gets tough, when when life comes upon you with all its with all that life has to offer and with and finding the right way, finding what God really wants you to do or really wants you to be or where God wants you to be. And then that has been a spiritual experience too. They say do service for others 
Sometimes I was not able to do service for others, yet I found a spiritual experience by just walking out the door and looking behind me and holding that door. And that was right there. That was a spiritual experience. It made me feel good. I was able to hold the door for another person. And then that feeling expanded. And that's that was also a spiritual experience. There were so many spiritual experiences that I had gone through, but what did I have to do? I had to tap into it and realize it and look up and open my eyes. And that clarity came only with my abstinence. It came only because I was aware. And and then I was able to do and and. And, and and this program is saying attraction is the promotion. Um, for me, it, this is what the program is saying. Attraction is the promotion. Um, Leah, you changed. Mommy, you've changed so much in these past years. And all these things are like warm um, uh, saunas or call it whatever you want it. They, these are soothing, and they continue to inspire me and to help me to continue going out and doing the service by attraction. That is the promotion. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Leah S. Reva P., you're up, followed by Leslie W. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. These two paragraphs highlight for me the miraculous uh, transformation in this man. And um, as was shared, you know, he's the first person where they, they implement what has worked for them, Bill and Bob, and like it's like a research project and they get these amazing results. But what I wanted to... Um, Sharon was the word free. Um, I thought being free before program was eating everything I wanted without consequences and, of course, without gaining weight, doing what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted, um, having all the money and things that I wanted. Um, And I thought that would be freedom and happiness. And it was misery. And the transformation where all of a sudden they're using words like useful and power. Um, You know, I just spent four days in Montreal with my family and, you know, freedom is so much more than sitting at a table with family, watching them have their desserts and it meaning nothing to me. It's like there's a fork and there's a piece of cake. Like it's like a piece of furniture. It doesn't really call to me. But more than that, you know what freedom is? Freedom is not having to turn myself into a pretzel to be somebody I'm not, not controlling every single person around me um, to make them what I want and do what I want. Um, My brother came willingly to get together with me, um, whereas before program, like, there was no relationship. And I wasn't pushing. I wasn't trying. Like, it just... It just flowed. Um, I wasn't trying to make my mother something she isn't. I wasn't trying to fix her. I was just there um, to love her unconditionally. Like, 
freedom from myself, from all that gook, not so much the food, but all the stuff in my head, the busyness, the trying to be this way, that way, like that is so freeing. And then when I do the work and get rid of all that stuff, um, I'm able to be useful and I get power, not because I'm controlling power, but it's just flowing through me. And it's just, um, it's something that needs to be experienced. I don't think I can even put it into words, but that is a freedom that I never knew before. And it only comes from doing the work with that I pass. Thank you, Reba. Okay, Leslie W., you're up, followed by Janice B. Thank you so much for your service today. This is Leslie W., recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. Um, You can see here how this man had a transformation, but what I love about these couple of paragraphs is the fact that this man returned to the things that he enjoyed doing before um, he got sick. He returned, you know. He returned, and even though the outcomes, he returned to politics, he returned to the church, and even though the outcomes weren't quite what he had expected, it didn't matter because, but he had found God, and in finding God, he had found himself. That's what this program is about for me because for me, those two things are connected. One does not exist without the other. And he became useful again. You know, he walked out a free man and he, and he ran his race and he didn't win, but he didn't care. <laughs> he didn't care because he found God. He became a respected member of his community. He became useful. He helped other men and is a power in the church from which he was long absent. I, too, have returned to the things that I once enjoyed and that I once did and I found beauty in that had died when I was sick in this disease. God gave me a gift of song, and it died. And for a long time, I shut my mouth because I didn't have anything to sing about. And I'll tell you an experience very quickly that I had at Vision for You. And another mom sat next to me, and I didn't know her that well. But she asked me a question in the middle of the speaker, and she said, do you sing? And I said, I said, yeah, why? She said, you need to sing again. I said, what are you talking about? She said, that's what I just heard. God gave her a message. God reached through another recover, compulsive overeater to tell me that at an Overeaters Anonymous conference. See, that's the power of God. He reaches you when you don't expect it. He lets you know that you're not forgotten. 
thank God for this program and for these 12 steps. I pass. Thank you so much, Leslie W. Janice B., you're up, followed by Monica T. Uh, thank you. This is Janice B., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. Grateful to be here, grateful for everyone's service, and grateful to be opening my mouth. Okay, so what really struck out, uh, the word that's, um, that really hit me this morning was a free man, free. And I thought, what does that mean, free, freedom? What, what am I free from? And what, what is he free from in my experience with it? And um, let me calm down here. <laughs> um, so um, free, freedom. And uh, it's, I think, this is what it is, that it's freedom from my self-will from myself, from my, from my self-centeredness. Because when I am grounded in self, I am grounded in wanting, wanting things my way, wanting this, wanting that, uh, wanting, you know, you can bring it back to food, wanting, wanting to eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it. But it's bigger than that. It's, it's people, situations, um, and life. Like, I wanted life to go my way. And the truth is, everybody has a life. And so where's the freedom come from? And for me, that happened when I, when I really identified in step two, what are the characteristics that I yearned for in my higher power? What 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 are those principles that I need to live for? And I I did that, you know. I went through that exercise of identifying um, what I yearned for, and um, and those. And so I was able to see that's yeah, that's what I want in my higher power. And in my myself, that's what I want to manifest. And the only the only way to manifest that, I can't think my way into into manifesting that. I have to act my way into manifesting that. And that's freedom, aligning my will with God's will. And God's will is not my self-centered wants and, and, and plans. God's will is accepting the reality of whatever is presented to me and, and asking for the truth and then, and then, and then walking that and, and doing that. That's where freedom is. And, um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janice. Okay, Monica T., you're up. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. 
So that afternoon, he put on his clothes, and he walked out the hospital a free man, and he had found God, and in finding God, he had found himself. He has become a respected and useful member of his community. I see a process here, and I'm going to go back to the prior paragraphs because this is where his process started. When the guys came in the second day and said to him, you know, or he replied to them that God ought to be able to do anything. And he's saying this in reply to what they have told him of their experiences with alcoholism and their finding God and what God has done for them. And, you know, here's the guy who'd been in the hospital eight times. He'd been dried out in a six-month period and would get drunk on the way home. And he's, you know, his way hasn't worked. How's that way working for you, Monica? It didn't. And so he's come to that conclusion, you know. Yeah, he's a real alcoholic, step one. And, and, and he's come to the conclusion with step two, that he needs a higher power. God, and it, and it was as easy as God ought to be able to do anything. And, you know, this God thing would make the old hair stand up on my neck. And I had to claw my way through this. But there's a process going here, and he did it too, a process. So what did he do? Step three, he gave his life over to what? The care. Now, to me, that sounds gentle. It sounds loving, caring, the things that I need from a higher power, to the care and direction of his creator. What were the directions? The directions for me was, do the steps, Monica. Do the steps. Go through the process of doing the steps. It's been a process. And in doing that, this this relationship with a higher power grew, became um, um, more defined for me. And it's been an ongoing process now 12 years later. I'm still working at this. But the hairs no longer stand up on the back of my neck. When, it's, when the God stuff has come up. Because you know what? It's worked. God has done for me what I couldn't ever do for myself. Just like he did for this man. The solution is spiritual. It's God. And he's become a respectful and useful member of his community. All right? This took time. This took time. So it, it's a process. Do the work. And I'll pass. Thank you, Monica. We have time for three more people who would like Matt to take M. this spot. Matt M. Matt M. Yes, I got you, Matt. Leah M. Leah M. Diane D. Diane D. Okay, well, that should take us out. Matt M., you're up, followed by Leah M. Can you hear me, Katie? Yes, I can. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. from Wilson over here from New Jersey for the one under the weather. Yeah, it's amazing what happened to this gentleman. He had a complete psychic rearrangement, and I'm really grateful to see this story because I know there's hope for myself, you know. I finally started working with a sponsor and finally getting serious about this. I have the willingness to be willing, and I'm really grateful that it's there because I have the willingness to follow suggestions, which I, would, I didn't have a few days ago or a week, even a week ago. 
And um, it's amazing what happened to this gentleman. He walked out of the hospital a free man after being such a low-bottom alcoholic. And for me, I'm a low-bottom food compulsive overeater, food addict. And um, I can relate to this gentleman. I lost a lot of things in my life, my standing in society, my education, friends, family, a lot of different things. I gave up my health. You know, I gave up a lot to to, to worship food. And uh, just for today, I'm making the choice not to worship the almighty food. It's not worth it. Nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels. I really, really, I heard that phrase time and time again. I finally understand what it means. It means that there's no food on the earth that's going to satisfy what I have, the problem that I have deep within me. It's I have a life problem. I don't have a food problem. The food is a solution. So now I'm working to find a different solution rather than the food of acting on life rather than reacting to it. Essence, a new way of living. And it's a great way to uh, look at my life now. I have hope. I have support. I'm not alone. I have people who care about me and people I can contact if I ever get in trouble or get into a scrape. And I'm very grateful for that just for today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Okay, Leah M., you're up. Thank you very much. But he found God in finding God had found himself. That was June 1935. He never drank again. I mean, it is nothing short of a miracle, nothing less than remarkable. I mean, as was stated, you know, Bill D. during the first six months of 1935 was hospitalized eight times, eight times. I mean, it's just, um, you know, miraculous. However, you know, it speaks about the hope and possibility of what can happen when we work this program. Um, And the fact that he never drank again speaks to the permanent recovery, and the big book talks about that in the second edition when it says, you know, vital, our our work, our self-sacrifice, our strenuous work is vital to permanent recovery. Uh, the big book uses the word recovered and permanently uh, recovered because that word shows a complete change, a transformation in one's attitude, which Bill D. obviously had. That's the advertisement that we no longer have the illness we used to have. Of course, we're not cured. We have a daily reprieve, and we stay, you know, stay in that reprieve by continuing to practice steps 10, 11, and 12. We find the free from the bondage of self. But, um, you know, that message, the fact that he never drank again, you know, I have not found it necessary to take a first compulsive bite since January 19, 1987. Uh, There's a couple things that that says to me. (laughs) That says to me that I haven't needed to take uh, that first bite because the program of recovery has given me the spiritual tools, these steps to work with, to make those changes within myself and within my attitudes, so I no longer need to seek something outside of myself, out there, a substance, in order to make my insides more comfortable. The other thing that that says to me is that this program works. And this is not a story of me or of you or of that person. This is the story of God's grace. You know, this is not about my personal success or your personal success. This is about what happens through our human failure when the grace of God can come in and make something of that human failure. And 
That message is what we have to offer today. When we talk to newcomers on this line or one-on-one on on a phone conversation or in a face-to-face meeting, we are living proof that some power greater than human power is working in our lives. And, you know, uh, there's... There's nobody specially appointed here on this line. There's no credential, so to speak, except we've had suffering. That was the invitation to a transformation. But I hope what it means to everybody is that this program works when we work it for each and every one of us. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Okay. And so we have Diane D. You're up. Yes, this is Diane D. Recently relapsed in Massachusetts, and the words that jump out at me is, "and he never drank again." And somehow, we know that that is not true for everybody. There are some of those who relapse and search for ways to correct that, and. That's all I wanted to say. With that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Is there someone with a burning desire uh, for these last three minutes? Otherwise, I can jump in. Okay, I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater. Hi, this is Eric. I'd like to share. Okay, um, I heard Marion, I believe, before me. I mean, before Erica. So go ahead. I believe it's Marion. Yes, thank you so much. My name is Marion H. I'm from Staten Island, New York, and I'm truly, truly grateful for everyone on this line who's doing service and who's sharing. I am grateful for my abstinence since the uh, weekend, the vision weekend. I'm in the rooms for a long time, and I think I finally gave up the food since the weekend, I have a wonderful sponsor. I'm working on the steps, and I'm truly, truly grateful to God that I'm willing to do this. And thanks for everyone being on the line. Have a beautiful, blessed day. Thank you, and I pass. Okay, thank you. And we have time for, I believe it was Erica. May I share? Yes, uh-huh. Hi, uh, thanks everyone for being here. Um, appreciate all the comments. Um, I think um, it's really important for me, given my history, my trauma history, to uh, embrace like progress, not perfection. Um, I have found it extremely difficult to um, release my recovery into the care of a higher power. And I think the operative word is care. Um, I just wish there were more women who could um, speak to um, the relationship between trauma and compulsive overeating um, rather than just default to God, 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 God. I find it not so useful. So, um, so for today, um, it's important for me to remember progress, not perfection, and principles before personalities, and take what you liked and leave the rest. 
um, yeah, perfection is not my goal in this life. Thanks very much. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, thank you to everyone who shared. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today is 10,551. That's 10551. I want to thank everyone who participated, Nancy H., Esther F., Irene M., Craig F., and Katie G. And I will now ask um, Craig F. to close by reading page 164, A Vision for You. Hi, this, this is Craig F. recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Can I be heard? Yes. Oh, good. Uh, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the person who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with God is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to God and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.